CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Happy Canada Day, happy 4th of July, and happy Monday. You're watching The Hash on Coindesk TV, or maybe you're listening to us on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Either way, we're happy to have you here with us. I'm Jen Sinazzi. Joining me today is Wendy O and Ben Schiller. How are you guys doing? I'm excited for tomorrow. Excited, excited. Lay around, have some wine, eat delicious food. I'm also excited for that. We have the day off tomorrow and we are going to enjoy it. But until then, we have some news to get to. Wendy, you got our first story. What is happening on Twitter? Well, it was a slow news week. Well, weekend, I guess, because a lot of people drop some big news on the weekends. But of course, Elon Musk had to stir the pot. He set up a new daily Twitter post reading limit. And basically, let's talk about what this means for crypto, because a lot of crypto companies have built their brand on crypto Twitter, same with NFTs. So apparently, Twitter is temporarily limiting the number of tweets users can read per day, separate limits for Twitter Blue subscribers and unpaid users. So basically, Elon Musk wants you to buy a product or a service. Verified accounts limited to reading 10,000 per day. Unverified accounts will have access to 1,000 per day. Initially set stricter limits, but changed within hours of announcing the move. It was so funny because if you were watching him live tweet this over the weekend, he said, okay, we're giving X. And then he said, okay, we're going to give X times two and then X times three. So it kept getting bigger and bigger. But it also looked like it appears that he meant the scrapping of large amounts of data used by AI companies to train language models, which power chatbots like ChatGPT and Google's Bard. If you don't know what data scrapping is, it's the pulling of information from the internet. And I don't know how I feel about this. I think it's a little bit ridiculous because it's really not helping with the bot problem. But I guess there was rumors about other things that were kind of happening. Jen, do you want to take over here? Yeah, we've seen Elon do this before, right? Announce a big change and then amend that change and then amend it again on the fly and then say it's temporary. And so who knows what's going to happen next, given the backlash that's happened. But Wendy, to your point, the data scraping seems to be the issue at the center of this. You know, a lot of big brands, advertisers, publishers use data scraping to measure sentiment, to see what people are saying about stories, about products. And so this is going to be, this is going to be a big hit on a lot of business, both I think within the crypto sector and outside of the crypto sector. What's interesting to me is Elon is the one who's out here 
announcing this. We haven't really heard from Twitter's new CEO, Linda Yaccarino. I, I just, I would love to hear from her and find out how this, how this particular change and other changes at Twitter are laddering up to the new strategy under her uh, leadership. I think it's really interesting that she's come into the new role and we haven't really heard from her yet. Ben, what do you, what do you make of everything that's happening? Yeah, I mean, Twitter's a really important public square for crypto, long has been. And I think Elon's also been a kind of controversial figure for crypto. On the one hand, he's seen as a champion of projects like Dogecoin. On the other hand, he's a kind of a figure of uh, too much control. And this is an example of a Web2 medium Twitter um, not really playing by the rules of, of Web3, which is supposed to be more democratic, more pluralistic. And I think there's echoes here of what happened with Reddit the other day, where they wanted to kind of make restrictions on their use of their AI and people backlashed against that. Uh, and it's sort of a similar story here where this kind of Web2 model that's supposed to be free, um, but turns out not to be free when people weaponize it for you know AI purposes or API purposes. So uh, I see kind of echoes of that. I put out a tweet about this um, over the weekend because I think it's just kind of ridiculous. Like TikTok pushes ads like light ads. YouTube pushes light ads. Um, if you pay for YouTube premium, you see no ads. Facebook pushes ads like all these companies push ads. So I'm just not really understanding his angle. I kind of I mean, I get the the abuse of the of AI and all of that type of stuff. But really, at the same time, it's been a problem on the platform for a long time, especially when people use bots. So I'm not exactly sure what his angle is here. I feel like he kind of is not necessarily cut out to run a social media platform. I love that we're more free on the platform. I love that a lot of things have been exposed regarding speech and liberty. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think Elon's cut out for it. And the fact that we're not hearing from the current or new CEO says a lot to me because Elon was so outgoing. He was so forward. And I feel like this person that's now taken over, she's probably going to embody what corporate America does and just sits back and makes decisions and not practice any type of good communication. That's kind of the vibe that I'm getting. I hope that I'm wrong, but I just don't see it playing out that way. Do we think that people will now go to alternatives like Blue Sky? I mean, there was some stories over the weekend about that. I finally got my Blue Sky invite the other day. And Ben, thank you for reminding me because I forgot to accept it. So I'm going to go and do that. Ben, uh, to the sentiment conversation, I saw a lot of tweets over the weekend about people saying like, where are we going to go next? Like, is it TikTok? Is it Instagram? I don't know if it's either of those platforms, but at least on my feed, there's a lot of people, you know, looking for alternatives. Although my own opinion is that people aren't really going to go anywhere. They're just going to continue to complain and accept defeat. What do you think, Ben? I think it's kind of Twitter or nothing. I mean, the problem is that, you know, why would you go to a platform where other people are not? So people are still on Twitter, still where the conversation is. So I guess we just have to complain and bear it. Wendy, we need to get you in on this. Are you, what do you, I know you have your big, your fans on TikTok. I mean, people, TikTok has a lot more users than I want to say are active users than I think any other social media platform. People have been all over TikTok for a very long time. Um, I've actually advised multiple companies that I've consulted with start a TikTok. The startup cost to market there is very affordable, especially when everybody was going viral, getting lots of views. Most of the companies didn't do that. And now they want to merge over to TikTok. And um, it's not necessarily that it's too late, but the algorithm, there's a lot more users there. Um, platforms a lot harder to go viral on. So I think that, um, you know, there's different audiences on different of uh, the social media platforms. And we'll just kind of have to wait it out and see what happens. I mean, at this point, we, you know, there's still rumors that TikTok could potentially get banned due to the Restrict Act. So if that 
we'll kind of have to wait and see how that plays out. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I haven't seen the rate limit thing been inactive, but it wasn't really clear that like, if you're scrolling your feed, does that count as tweets being read? Or if you're looking at your mentions, does that count as tweets being read? It wasn't really like communicated well. So I'm still kind of confused if it's even happening. And I kind of feel like because of all the backlash, Elon's going to be like, oh, we're not going to do this. (laughs) I hope so. Ben, you have our next story. Yeah, so uh, my story is about uh, two little announcements coming out of Hong Kong and South Korea, and they're both positive for Web3 development in those places. Um, so the first from Hong Kong is news about a task force set up by Financial Secretary Paul Chan, uh, comprising 15 uh, officials um, to try and find better ways to encourage blockchain technology on that, um, in that territory. And the second one, probably more important from South Korea, the National Assembly there has passed the Virtual Asset User Protection Act, which I guess is in the wake of uh, Do Kwon and uh, Terra Luna. A uh, big scandal there. It's 19 proposals from lawmakers defining digital assets and setting up uh, penalties for unfair transactions. And I think the bigger kind of context here, particularly relevant to the United States, is that, uh, you know, we, it's a global market. Um, the United States faces global competition from all kinds of places wanting to be crypto hubs. And of course, we have uh, regulatory uncertainty here and no prospect really of comprehensive crypto regulation, in the, at least in the short term. So I think uh, we're going to continue to see the U.S. under pressure from these different uh, locales setting up um, different regimes that are more favorable than what we have here. So um, watch out the U.S. Ben, I think your take on this is exactly right to see uh, different countries really embrace crypto, make clear regulation. It's just like a stark difference from what's happening here in the U.S. Last week, we talked about the spot Bitcoin ETF filing. The SEC came out at the end of last week and said, you know, those filings are inadequate. The asset managers who file need to go back to the drawing board when it comes to certain elements of it. We have the lawsuits against finance and Coinbase. And it just feels like we're going around in circles while jurisdictions like Hong Kong, like South Korea, are making it easier for crypto companies to understand what's happening there so that they can comply. Wendy, I see you laughing over there because it is just such a laughable matter. So we got to get you in on this. I mean, like I and I tell my audience this all the time. Every single time a public servant makes a decision, every single time they breathe, every single time they move, we pay for that. Our taxpayer dollars fund their salaries. And the fact that we are not getting the representation that we deserve, that we want, and we're wasting all of this time in this back and forth fighting over petty, ridiculous things is kind of embarrassing. I mean, I do believe that we're in a recession. I don't think that inflation is going to go down. I feel like America has a lot of problems. And instead of looking at different ways to raise revenue to get people to pay taxes on their crypto assets, these companies, we're pushing all of this innovation out. We've seen this in the tech industry. I mean, if you look at California, we've pretty much pushed quite a few companies out of California and we're kind of in dire straits right now. You know, if you just take a beautiful walk down downtown LA, the amount of homeless folks that you'll see. So I don't know, to me, it's just very upsetting. And if you're in crypto, if you're in NFTs, um, I think it would be a good idea to consider looking at other places outside of the country to relocate to so you can actually run a business because um, we really don't know what's going to happen. And unfortunately, I don't think we'll see any type of clarity until after this um, upcoming election. And I am voting for whoever's pro crypto. I don't care about the social issues. Can I just make a quick plug? Uh, Last week, Coinas published its uh, crypto hubs package, which was a list of 15 jurisdictions from around around the world that we think are doing a good job of attracting crypto talent crypto capital. And it was clear evidence that there's a lot more movement in those places than there is here. 
and it is a global market and companies are really seriously looking at uh, relocating uh, and the US cannot sit on its laurels anymore. Ben, any surprising jurisdictions from the Coindesk Crypto Hub list? Uh, there were a couple. Uh, Vancouver was on the list, which kind of surprised me. Uh, and actually, New York was on the list, but uh, I think for incumbent reasons, not for uh, anything that's particularly done. But um, those would be the biggest surprises. I'm actually shocked that because isn't a lot of crypto stuff banned out in Canada, Jen? Or not, not necessarily banned, but isn't it kind of murky or they're starting to really crack down and not give you guys any types of guidelines similar to the U.S. or Canada is similar to the U.S. There are new regulatory guidelines that have pushed some crypto exchanges outside of Canada. Binance is one of those exchanges that decided to leave. But then there are other exchanges like Coinbase who remain very bullish on Canada. And um, a few unicorns have come out of Vancouver. So Vancouver is maybe a burgeoning crypto hub. But I would say that, you know, when you look at what's happening in some of these areas outside of Canada, like Hong Kong, like South Korea, like Europe with their Mika regulation, I'd say they're probably still ahead of us here in Canada. But I still need to celebrate all Canadian news. You know, that's just my shtick on the show, especially after Canada Day. That's good. <laughs> I, mean, I disagree slightly with Wendy. I mean, I think some regulation is better than no regulation or what we have in the US, which is a yes. complete like, what the hell's going on type of situation. So um, the only thing I do want to say is that I am very, a bit, very big on compromise. Like me personally, I can operate in a true decentralized economy. I don't need anybody coming in to rescue me or to save me. I have a very, um, just due to some of my life experiences, I haven't had the law ever really do anything positive for me or people that I've known. And I've actually seen terrible things happen. But I just would like some sort of compromise. Like I think compromise is important and I don't feel that we're getting that in the US. It's just more so they're just shutting everything down. They're not willing to listen to the people that not only put them into power, but that are also paying their salary. And I think that's a problem that's not just um, included, that's not just selected towards crypto, but it's on all different types of sectors. I feel like the United States government has just gotten too big. The egos are too high. We need to establish term limits and all those other things. And I would love to see a happy medium, but I just feel like we're not necessarily going to get it. Totally agree with that. Atrium, a network of artists led by former animators from Pixar, Netflix, and Marvel, is bringing one of the first animated films funded by a DAO to life. The Rise of Blues announced movie has a budget of $2.7 million and aims to turn the NFT collection into entertainment. Joining us now to discuss is Atrium founder and CEO, Suprio Roy. Welcome to the show, Suprio. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? We can definitely hear you. This sounds like an exciting time. Uh, tell us about how the DAO is involved in decision making for this, because I think about the movie making business and there are a lot of different parts and adding a DAO to it sounds like it's going to make it even more complicated. Yeah, um, I, I think one of the really interesting things about the DAO, in particular DAO here, has been that... Uh, they give you a ton of uh, autonomy. So the creative directors are involved day to day. So they would share all of their core sort of major decisions back to the DAO, back publicly, even into the forum discourse and things like that, and in, including our Discord even. And we have windows of feedback. So you come in and you can share your feedback, criticism, critique, things like that. And within that time window, if you don't give it, you hold your peace. So that's how one of the ways we have been able to make progress and stick to our milestones and adhere to a certain quality. So it's, it's not really 
many cooks in the kitchen in that sense. You know, when we think about traditional films, they usually have these massive advertising budget. They have actors who we know. They have characters who we know. How are you advertising the film or how do you plan to advertise the film to people outside of the community? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the really unique things going here uh, is something which we call internally as a proof of audience because you have the DAO because you have multiple sub DAOs and really enthusiastic community who's like getting behind it, you are not starting from scratch. So there is an organic word of mouth. People appreciate it. People being part of that production workflow makes the movie seen from the day one. So it's not being really created under wraps for two years and then coming out and, you know, like you risk it, whether it's a hit or a flop. One of the things which we are looking at doing is as we continue to go further in down into the story, we would be exploring bringing more partners uh, from traditional distributions and things like that um, to really go beyond our current core audience. And that's one of the things uh, I think, which is a beauty about the movie itself is it's all it's trying to do is tell a really, really good story based on public domain. It's, it's not about NFTs. It's not about how it came to life. It's about the story itself. And if the story is good, um, you know, people will care. So that, that's essentially the working thesis there. So I have a question for you. My question would be, so because it's a it's a film that's funded by a DAO and it's utilizing the Nouns NFT collection. So are community members NFTs participating in the movie? And if so, are they collecting like IP royalties or how does that work? That, that's a great question. So one of the things here is Nouns is public domain IP, right? So technically you do not need permissions um, to put a certain IP piece from the Nouns ecosystem into it. Um, one of the things which we have been doing is intentionally sort of figuring out pathways on the story where we could include community members to submit for casting calls and submit for their own unique cultural references, which we can include into the story. And, you know, like they, they wouldn't be blatant product placements. They need to fit organically in places where it would make sense. And then the things which we intend on doing is because it's funded by the DAO, Principally, Atrium and Nouns together would share any upside which comes from the movie in the future. Like we are really early, uh, as in the pilot has just been four minutes into a 80 minutes feature. So we intend that once the movie is complete and it, as and when it starts to occur revenue, uh, it essentially would be shared back with the DAO directly. It sounds like a great project. I love this. Um, so if I buy uh, one of these nouns NFT today, uh, can I still have some right to kind of have, you know, a say over the direction of the movie is, or is that still closed? Now? Yeah, yeah, essentially. Right. So I think one of the things there is, um, nouns, the way the core DAO itself works is nouns is one at a day forever. Every single day you have one NFT going on an auction and whichever the auction settling amount is that goes back directly into the treasury. And your noun is one vote on how you spend the treasury, right? So the movie work stream is just one of the projects nouns has actively voted on and, you know, like it continues to sponsor. And um, yeah, if you are particularly in interested in influencing, you know, how the story is being told, yes, absolutely. If you own a noun or you own a affiliated sort of sub DAO community, you can come in and join and, you know, like actively participate in how we are working through uh, con concept stages and pre-production and things like that. If the movie makes money, is are the DAO members going to share in that revenue? 
The DAO will, yes. Um, so I, I think uh, one of the things which we put out in Proposal 245, that was the kickoff of the movie, was that um, when the movie creates revenue for itself, uh, we would uh, do a split, uh, whether it's a 50-50 split or a 60-40 split, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but principally, the DAO here is acting as a production uh, sort of financier. And they, you know, if the film makes money, then that money gets back to the DAO. So the DAO has ability to recoup the cost. And then another thing which is really, really interesting is the movie crew is really agile and small, considered to a lot of larger animation productions. So a lot of artists have opportunity to share in that upside as well. All right, Supriya, we're going to have to leave it there. We look forward to seeing the full-length film. So congratulations on that and good luck on the rest. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. That was Atrium founder and CEO Suprio Roy. All right, we are going to stick on the NFT beat. Our last story is a follow-up on the Azuki NFT saga that unfolded last week. A group of Azuki NFT holders is voting on the return of 20,000 Ether a week after the Azuki project faced backlash over the Elementals NFT mint. Reasons given for the proposed refund ranged from disappointment with the collection to the teams blatantly scamming the purchasers of the NFTs. The vote proposes to allocate funds retrieved back to a DAO to promote the growth of the community. Ben, I'm going to kick this one off to you. Uh, what do you make of this DAO vote to refund some of those people who feel like they were scammed? Well, I was off last week, so I missed some of the drama here, but it does seem like a scam to me. And uh, thank God they're returning the money. Well, we don't know if they're returning the money yet, Ben. The vote has been proposed, but I don't think we've come to any kind of resolution. But Wendy, you had a big sigh there. So what do you think? I don't I, see, I don't think it's a scam. I think what it is, is that there's a lot of grifting in NFTs. People build their NFTs around the ideology of community, and that's fantastic. However, releasing multiple generative 10,000 AI collections or whatever these guys or people are doing is not how you build a community. But it's kind of been like the culture in NFTs for a long time. I personally think that NFTs were, um, you know, created for people to have ownership, you know, for people to own their in-game items, for musicians to own their music, for people to own different parts that they participated in when it comes to films, et cetera, for writers. Um, so again, these guys, they have a lot of money that they needed to pay for their community event that they had. We all know that parties are expensive. Um, I don't think it's a scam. I think it's a disappointment. And I think that people should, you know, kind of consider that NFTs are not that that it's still an investment. At the end of the day, you're putting your money into something. And if you're expecting a return, I'm not exactly sure what what to tell you. So I don't know. I think it's pretty sad that they've kind of abused their community that way. But in the same respect, you know, people were in a bear market and I'm not really seeing a lot of innovation from the current NFT projects out there right now. Yeah, just to give our audience a little bit of background, just in case you missed what happened last uh, week, the Elementals NFT project kind of proposed the project was going to be something that people who bought in felt it wasn't. I think $38 million of Ether was spent on these NFTs. And then when the artwork was revealed, it was very similar, almost like a copy and paste of the original Azuki collection. I know we have a graphic of a side-by-side, -side, there we go, of the original artwork and the artwork in the new NFT collection. You know, this drove the floor price down. People were really upset saying this is the exact same 
it's almost like brand value, right? When you replicate something, the brand value of that original thing goes down. Um, and now there's a DAO of NFT holders who want their money back. I think it's notable that the DAO has 72 members as of Monday and only 36 votes on the proposal. And 40% of those votes are coming from a single holder. So this story also kind of amplifies that DAO narrative of, you know, <laughs> like who is voting in a DAO? How, how are we ensuring that this is actually the voice of many people and not yeah. just not just a few? Wendy, you know, this is the thing that drives me absolutely crazy about DAOs. And this is what I've been screaming for a long time. I feel like DAOs are just a reproduction of the current system that we have in America. You have a couple people in power. Um, even in other countries too. And they make all of the choices for you. If you got, were able to ha get early access into a project or you have a lot of money, you get the say as to what are, what can and can't happen. To me, that's not community. To me, that's not even really what a DAO is supposed to be. So, I'm, But again, you guys, we're still in beta. I think that things are still early and I think we do have the opportunity to change the way things are done and essentially really level the playing field out as to how DAOs wanted it to be. But right now, mm -mm. nope. All right. <laughs> yeah. I think there's too many uh, projects calling themselves DAOs and not really behaving like DAOs, or at least what we'd expect to be yeah. DAOs. We're going to leave it there. We'll see you everyone on Wednesday. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL.